We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugi with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. I'm one of your hosts, Tana, here to deliver you another awesome Kansas takeover. Small game hunting is a wonderful and perhaps underutilized way to get exercise, enjoy the outdoors, and harvest meat for the freezer. Regulations are typically fairly uncomplicated and game is accessible, and often beginners can get started with minimal equipment. Small game hunting also has the potential to be a family affair. So to chat with us a little bit more about small game hunting, I've invited the Stefan family to join us to discuss squirrel hunting basics and taking the family afield. As an added bonus, we'll also get to hear from Amelia Steffen, who is 10 years old, about her recent squirrel hunting experience and her advice for other aspiring young squirrel hunters out there. Welcome, Steffen family. Hi. Hello. Hi. Great to have you on with us tonight. So um, to kick us off, I'm wondering if Chris and Susan, if you will both just give us a little bit of an introduction about you and Susan also, you know, you've had a wonderful career with KDWP. Sure. So let's see, it's going to be 13 years now that I've worked for the agency and um, I'm the human dimension specialist in our fisheries division. So what that means is I really kind of do research to understand the human aspect of fishing. Um, you know, what people do with wildlife and why is kind of in a nutshell, I guess, how you could describe my job. But I do have training in formal, uh, you know, fisheries programs. So I'm very familiar with that. And um, it's been quite a ride now for 13 years. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, if you all would like to learn more about Susan and her fascinating career as human dimension specialist, be sure to check out the KDWP and Kansas Wildlife Federation Flatlander podcast, where we do a whole episode with Susan on human dimensions. Also, if you'd like to meet Susan in person, Susan, you're going to come help us at our Kansas Becoming an Outdoors Woman event in September, right? Yes, I'm going to co-teach with Vanessa Salazar, my coworker. We're going to co-teach a session on uh, stream ecology. Absolutely. So be sure to come out and meet Susan. She's a rock star. She's super fun, has a lot of energy and knows a ton about fish and stream ecology. So Susan, we're really excited to have you and thank you for joining us tonight. Chris, what about you? Will you introduce yourself? Tell us about uh, you and your career with KDWP. Yeah. So I also work with KDWP about the same amount of time as Susan. Uh, my current role is as the aquatic nuisance species coordinator for the, the agency. So zebra mussels, invasive carp, nasty weeds in the water, kind of all of that falls under my umbrella of how to stop that from spreading and, and uh, how to manage the issues that we have with those species. Very important work. Chris, we really appreciate everything you do. And um, you guys have been so wonderful to me being fairly new to KDWP. So I, I just appreciate everything you do for the resource and also um, your fellow employees. So I'm curious, as we dive into the episode today, did the two of you grow up hunting and fishing? 
Not really, I guess is the short answer. So pretty much um, since I was about five, I grew up in a suburb of Dallas, Texas. And my family wasn't very outdoorsy in general. I guess I was the oddball in the family because I always was trying to get my family uh, to go fishing, to take me fishing. And in general, I just loved playing in the creek. And so I would always try and get my dad to take me to the creek and we would catch fish and just look under rocks. But I did not grow up fishing very much, let alone hunting. That was something that uh, when I met Chris, I guess is something I really got into more so, at least the hunting part. But when I went away to college, I did quite a bit more fishing. Yeah, and for me, it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. I, I grew up in rural Iowa, rode my bike to all the farm ponds in the area, had a BB gun and shot everything I could find. So uh, avid hunter and fisherman my entire life. So I'm curious, when it came to making that decision about raising your family with that outdoor lifestyle, was that a conscious decision that the two of you talked about openly early in your relationship, or was that something that just kind of organically developed? I guess for me, it's so ingrained in, in who I am and my lifestyle. I just uh, assumed that we would at least expose them to it. You know, it's kind of up to them how much they want to be involved, but it, it was always something that I planned on exposing my kids to. Yeah, I think the exposure part is crucial. And it's not like we had any predetermined, you know, talks about that or anything, I guess, when we were having kids. But what was important to us is uh, Chris and I decided years ago, as the kids started to get a little bit older, we didn't want them in so many activities that it would detract from family time that we enjoy taking them to go fishing or hunting or camping or anything outdoor recreation related. Um, we just didn't want to, you know, be doing too much stuff like piano and gymnastics and swimming and all that stuff. So we kind of narrow it down so they have one activity that they're allowed to get involved with. So we still have some time for family and other stuff. Yeah, that's nice. Well, I know that's something we saw during COVID, especially, and, and not to knock organized sports in any way, but it can be just a huge component of your lives when your kids are into that, I imagine. And so, um, you know, during COVID with some of that stuff being canceled, we saw families able to get into the outdoors more frequently together as a unit, um, whereas otherwise they might have been spending time at the, at the ball field. And uh, not to say that one activity is better than the other, but it was just really interesting to see that shift. Yeah, good point. I guess it also helps that we're not super athletic people. <laughs> so not to knock, you know, sports or anything, just not our cup of tea, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you again for joining us. We're going to be getting into the topic, the meat of the topic today, which is squirrel hunting. Can the two of you maybe tag team this a little bit and give us a breakdown of the basics? So what makes it a great family or novice activity? And what would I need to get out and get started? Uh, I guess I can handle that. I, I guess thinking about it now, I'm not sure that Susan has ever shot a squirrel. I actually have not. You and me, Susan, we got to go. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Yeah, so I mean, for a, a novice, wherever you have trees, squirrels are abundant. So um, it's as simple as finding some sort of public hunting area where where that's open to this activity and 
spending some time in, in those heavily forested areas. Um, there's a lot of nuance and tactics that you can really um, refine, but in general, you know, squirrels are out there. And if you, you know, spend some time either sitting still or slowly walking through the forest, um, you're going to encounter them sooner or later. Man, I wish that had been uh, my experience with squirrel hunting, but I went in a tree rich and squirrel poor environment, apparently. Yeah. But <laughs> and, well, well, and, it, and it's weird. It's like, you know, you go fishing and some days the fish just don't bite, right? Like right. some days you go squirrel hunting and you're just convinced the, the forest is devoid of squirrels. And then you can go there a week later and in 30 minutes you've seen and shot your five squirrels. It's just a, uh, I, I don't know what it is and I don't know the rhyme or reason to it, but some days are just flat out better than others. So I just don't have bad luck is what you're telling me. It might not be me. <laughs> <laughs> keep trying. Oh man. I will, I will definitely keep trying. So I'm curious, um, you know, with squirrel hunting, Chris, I, the way I understand it, you're a pretty avid small game hunter anyway, but what makes squirrel hunting in particular a really good activity for families or uh, novice hunters? Yeah, so really the, the simplicity of at least getting started, um, you know, squirrels aren't particularly um, good at, at uh, picking people out if you're, if you're still. So certain activities, you have to have full camo or, or hide in the brush. Uh, with squirrels, even if they're kind of aware that a person or some disturbance is in the forest, if you just sit down for 10 or 15 minutes, they'll kind of go back to doing their squirrel stuff. So, you know, you can get in there and, and you know, if you were deer hunting and you walked into the forest and the deer saw you, like they're gone, your, your hunts may be over for the day. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. With, with the squirrels, uh, they move around so much and, and they're just fairly numerous that you're, you're just going to have more opportunities to, to mess up, to be honest. And so for a new hunter, you know, like you're going to mess up, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And with squirrel hunting, you get to make a lot more of those and still have a chance to be successful. That makes a lot of sense. So how about equipment that I need? Um, you typically go out with a shotgun, Chris, or do you use something different? Well, most of my squirrel hunting uh, actually occurs in the summer. So in Kansas, it's a June 1st opener. I like to hunt almost everything. So once, you know, duck seasons and bird seasons start in the fall, I'm, I'm kind of done with squirrels. So yeah, I'm, I'm hunting in the summer and there's a lot of leaves on the trees. And so you might only have brief opportunities to shoot at a squirrel while it's moving through the leaves. And so in that situation, yeah, a shotgun is my preferred weapon. You know, some people probably give me some grief about that. A lot of serious squirrel hunters are uh, a rifle only sort of uh, hunter, but a lot of states don't have this summer season or people aren't taking advantage. And, and in that scenario, I really think a shotgun is the way to go. Yeah, I like that. So in this particular scenario, what gauge would you typically opt for, Chris? Well, I use kind of a, a funky gauge. It's a, a 28 gauge. It's not a real standard gauge, but it's a smaller gun. Uh, it's fairly similar to a 410 that a lot of people are probably more familiar with or have access to. And, and the reason for that is like, uh, you don't need a lot of pellets to kill a squirrel. And when it comes to eating them, less pellets in them is, is better for when you're cleaning them up to eat. So, you know, the smaller shotgun shoots less shot, less pellets in the meat. 
uh, it's lighter to carry around in the woods too. And in fact, the 28 gauge I have was kind of in preparation for uh, knowing, hoping that the kids would one day hunt. So I, I intentionally bought this smaller shotgun. For me, it's kind of a novelty and it's fun, but um, it serves a purpose for the kids that less shot, less recoil. It's just easier, smaller gun for kids to handle. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I really like um, squirrel hunting because where it's positioned in the season, it provides some opportunity where some of your other really popular seasons like deer hunting maybe won't be in season and you can get a chance to practice and sit out in the field. I know the times when I've had the best opportunities to shoot at a squirrel, I have been hunting completely different game. I don't know how many times I thought there was a massive buck walking up in front of me and it turned out to be a little squirrel jumping through the leaves. But I, I love that there's an opportunity to practice there. I, I have a theory on that. I, <laughs> What's that? I feel like the, the smaller the animal is, the more noise they make. Oh, it's like, I buy into that. <laughs> the deer just appear, but if you're convinced it's a herd of deer behind you, it's like a covey of quail or a chipmunk <laughs> or a squirrel. So it's amazing how that works. Yeah, that definitely checks out. Well, so Chris, back in June, you headed out into the woods with your daughter, Amelia, for a squirrel hunt. I am so excited to hear about that hunt from Amelia's perspective a little bit later in the episode, but I'm curious, as a parent, how did you and Susan know that Amelia was ready for this hunt? What did you and Susan do or say to prepare her? Well, well, so, you know, first is just getting them comfortable um, shooting. And so they've had BB guns. Uh, Amelia's probably been shooting a BB gun since she was four or five. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to learn to line up the sights and hit what she's pointing at being safe on where she's pointing the gun. Um, to me, like safety is the most important thing. And until you're very comfortable that your kid understands those rules, I I don't think you should move forward because it all gets more complicated once you leave the shooting range or the back pasture and actually go out to, to hunt game. You know, there's, more things for them to be aware of and worry about. So, so safety is first and, and Amelia was always really good about that. So we've never had any doubts that she could do that. And then it, it really came down to uh, transitioning her to a little bit bigger guns. So um, for a couple of years, we were shooting a 22 occasionally and, and occasionally is, is not a lot either. You know, every few months we would shoot a few rounds. Like it, it's not like we're out there every week, you know, training hard. It's just, you know, being familiar and, and learning in those intermittent um, times where we go out and shoot. And a 22 certainly can kill a squirrel. Lots of people kill squirrels with 22s, but it's, it's challenging. It, you got to be very precise in your shooting. So that's why we moved to that 28 gauge shotgun. You know, the, the shotgun gives you, you know, maybe a 30 inch circle of pellets that as long as you get the squirrel's head somewhere in that area, you have a really good chance of killing the squirrel. And so just in the last year, we've kind of transitioned Amelia into shooting that, that shotgun and we got where she was comfortable with it. And so that, that kind of checked my boxes, but really it came down to Amelia being ready and wanting and, and voicing that desire to go out and shoot a squirrel. Um, so for me, it was on all of those pieces kind of lined up. That, that we were ready. And I guess the other thing I should mention too, is she's been on hunts with me. I mean, since they were three or four, I'd take them out in the duck marsh or dove hunting. And 
Um, you know, they've walked along on pheasant hunts. And so they kind of know what to expect that, you know, there's a lot of work and, you know, there's a lot of times where you're not shooting at anything, but you know, that they know that success does eventually happen and they're familiar with kind of how a hunt can sometimes get a little bit, I don't want to say chaotic, but there can be a lot of things going on. And so I think, you know, having that exposure too made me feel a lot more confident in taking her out. I think too, I, I'm not sure if you realize, but you know, Chris does way more hunting than, than I ever will or could, but, um, whenever he cleans his game, you know, starting from an early age, you've always had the kids, you're welcome them to come out and look and, um, they've watched him clean game multiple times. Yeah. So just becoming familiar with, you know, the, the dead animal, and realizing that this is where dinner is coming from tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, getting more comfortable around seeing some of those gross, squishy insides. Am I right? Yeah. And touching them. And touching them. Yeah. And seeing what they eat. You can look in their stomach and see what they've been eating. Yeah, it's a, it's a process. Slowly expose them to it. And then I don't think it's as pertinent right now, but you and I both know, Tana, that hunting is not predominantly a female activity. So they're a bit young right now, but if they were to get older and maybe not want to keep up with that, um, I do think it's important for them to realize that even though this is a male-dominated activity, it is more than okay for them to participate. And we've never treated them any different because they're girls. You know, if they were little boys, we would have done the same thing. I just want them to know that we support them in that. Absolutely. And I'm sure that support goes um, so far beyond just support in the outdoors, but a really supportive and connected home life, it sounds like as well. I'm curious, um, as somebody who doesn't yet have kids, but hopes to have kids someday, and also someone who understands the... Uh, weight of responsibility that can come with hunting ethically and potentially harvesting an animal. Were there conversations that you all had together about getting around that and being comfortable with some of those really heavy responsibilities, or was that something that just through exposure, um, again, developed organically? Yeah, I think, you know, that was going back to taking them out when they were littler, you know, there are times when you know we we have a couple labs and they bring back most of what we shoot on a bird hunt there are times on a dove hunt or a teal hunt or a duck hunt where the dog comes back and the bird is alive and it's an opportunity to explain you know our, our goal is to kill this animal animal ethically and cleanly and quickly and so sometimes that doesn't happen and and when that animal when you're able to you you know you go ahead and finish that animal off and so they had been exposed to that. They understand that that's, um, you know, part of hunting. So I'm curious. I know that I have certainly, even though I have not been successful in harvesting a squirrel, so Amelia definitely has one up on me. I have learned a ton from being out and trying to hunt squirrels. So um, what skills has Amelia learned through this process that will translate to some of her other hunting outings and endeavors? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Like, I'm kind of the, that old school opinion that someone should start with small game. Uh, I know a lot of people don't anymore, but the skills that you learn 
uh, squirrel hunting and develop, you know, how to move through the woods quietly, how to kind of blend in with your environment, how to watch an animal engage when it's time to kind of move up and, and take your shot. Um, you learn all of those squirrel hunting, and that's only going to make you a better hunter for, for many other species where, you know, if you're deer hunting, you might get that one chance a day or a season, you know, you can learn all of those same skills out squirrel hunting. And that's a lot of why we started here too, is so, yeah, there's probably some frustration, but the success, chance of success is higher and it gives her those opportunities to develop all of those other skills, you know, uh, even just spotting game, you know, you have to spend a lot of time just learning what to look for. You know, you're not looking for a whole squirrel. A lot of times you're looking for its head peeking over a branch or its tail flicking, you know, like just learning to look for parts of an animal is an incredibly valuable skill um, when you're hunting for, for any species, really. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I'm sure too, there are some bigger life lessons that can be found in the hunt itself that translate even outside of trying to pursue other game. So have the two of you witnessed an impact on um, Amelia via her hunting participation in other areas of her life, like maybe confidence or maturity, critical thinking skills, anything like that? Definitely critical thinking. I can't really, I don't have any concrete examples per se, but I, I remember her picking up on some things and mentioning it later. And uh, it, it reminded me like, oh yeah, she probably picked up on that hunting. Yeah, I wish I could think of an example. Can you think of any? To that, I would think maybe like setting a goal and working towards it. Yeah. You know, she said maybe six months ago, she, she wants to shoot a squirrel. And so, you know, our in, increased our amount of shooting a little bit and switch to learning to use that shotgun. And, um, you know, she was doing it all with the goal of being prepared and, and wanting to get that squirrel. And so, you know, when you're 10 years old, working and getting ready for something for six months, like that's a big commitment for a 10 year old. Yeah. Patience for sure. Oh yeah. It's a long time. That's a great one. I'm a big believer in an outdoor classroom and I'm learning a ton from you guys. That's super, super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Susan, I want to transition over to you a little bit because I know that you are a hunter. However, in this particular scenario, when Amelia harvested her squirrel, you were not along for the hunt. And I want to take the time to recognize the very important supporting role that a non-hunting parent can play in supporting their hunting child whether they're always a non-hunting parent and they're just not interested in hunting or they chose just not to go hunting on that particular event. Susan, can you chat with us about some of the ways you've provided support to your family, even when not accompanying them in the field, because that's such an important role? Yeah, I think the most obvious one and the, the thing that's kind of transitioning out of right now, Chris does a lot of the hunting in our family. And while the kids were quite a bit younger, um, I did stay home with them. And now that they are starting to get older and can participate themselves, that frees up some of my time as well. Like there have been some times where like I went and, you know, hunted for something else while the kids and Chris were hunting, you know, ducks and um, just really playing that support role, whether it's, um, you know, helping her get ready the night before or giving her pep talks and saying, this is really exciting. You get to go hunt with your dad. 
uh, I think goes a long way. She's, um, I'm sure she'll tell you about it, but Amelia did make a meal with her, um, her squirrel Ooh. and it's based on one of the recipes that we had just made like the week before. So yeah. she already knew a great recipe. She just substituted squirrel for chicken. Cause it's uh, limb chicken, right? We call it limb chicken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> chicken. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Little things like that. Just making sure she's ready to go supporting Chris and uh, freeing up her time and making sure I can do whatever I can do to help her reach those goals. And one thing I'd add here that I'm not sure that Susan's aware she does, like I could see where potentially a, a non-hunting spouse would be uh, not happy if their spouse comes in with a dead animal into the living room to show <laughs> the kids the, the really pretty pintail they shot or a, a widgeon or, you know, for her allowing that and that exposure is huge because if um, she was sitting there going, ew, that's gross. I don't want to see that. Take it outside. You know, that would really frame how the kids think about it too and and it might be more difficult to convince them that this is something they might want to try you're right i never thought of it like that <laughs> <laughs> i want to see them too <laughs> pretty pentail looks like <laughs> awesome well i've learned a ton from this conversation i really appreciate both of your insight but drum roll please this time, it is my great pleasure to introduce Miss Amelia Stefan, all-around superstar and squirrel hunting extraordinaire. Amelia, thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations on harvesting your first squirrel. I cannot wait to hear your story. So tell me, how did you feel the morning of your hunt? Were you super excited, or were you nervous? I was definitely nervous, and we woke up really early, so I was tired. We were on the drive and after a little, I was very nervous to like just have him hand me over the gun and be able to shoot the squirrel. Like, would I miss it or would I get it? It was very nerve wracking. Yeah, because you had been working on that goal for a long time. We said about six months, right? From since when you started that goal. Yeah. Man, well, that's really cool. And I'm, I'm glad that you accomplished your goal. Can you tell us some of the things you remember about your hunt? Some of the things you saw or heard when you were out in the woods hunting? I remember when we went out, it was like, a, it was a really pretty, like yellowish color in the sky. Um, we walked into some dry tall grass. It was really pretty out there in the woods. Wow, that sounds pretty. Were there lots of birds singing or was it still pretty quiet? It was still a little quiet. Was it hard to be quiet when you were walking out or are you really good at being quiet? I'm really bad at being quiet. Well, I'm kind of both because in the school, I like to be really quiet at home. I just talk a lot. <laughs> talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So do you remember when you very first saw a glimpse of that squirrel you harvested? Was he eating something? Was he sitting in the tree? He was actually... He came running over to us branch from branch, then he sat there. So, so an important detail there is we were using a call to 
call to the squirrels to try and attract one. So. Yes. Also by like, he took a tree branch, like started like moving it around. We, we were making noise and, and using a, it's called a distress call. So it kind of makes them wonder what's going on and, and get excited and want to come investigate the noise and, and see what's going on over there. Yeah. So once you realized that that squirrel was within range, did your dad offer you any advice before you took the shot? Well, he pointed at the squirrel, then he hand, and then I make sure I, I saw it and then he handed me the gun and then I shot it. Oh, wow. So you knew what you were doing. You were ready, huh? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So did you help process the squirrel? Well, when it, my dad was cleaning it, well, I kind of saw him clean it. I touched some parts. He told me about the parts. So I got to see a lot of it, but I didn't actually do any of the cleaning. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. How did you feel when you finally got to put your hand on that squirrel for the first time? Were you excited or were you sad? Were you proud? I was very excited. I'm like, wow, I'm touching a dead squirrel that I shot. <laughs> Big moment. Who did you tell first after your dad? Um, probably my mom and sister. What did they do? Did they hoop and holler? Were they very excited? Yeah. So I heard a little bit about maybe a delicious squirrel recipe. What did you make with your squirrel? <laughs> so I can't remember what the recipe was called, but we, yeah, we did the squirrel instead of the chicken. They're like egg noodles. Mm -hmm. There were a couple seasonings, to remember. Uh, it was just kind of a, a general sort of chicken, homemade chicken noodle soup sort of dish. Mm. So, you know, carrots and vegetables, vegetables and uh, <laughs> man, what all did we put in there? That it was kind good. of a... We kind of had a recipe and then we just kind of dumped things that we like in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best we, recipes. Yeah, we did some veggies. We put squirrel and some seasonings. That's and awesome. Egg noodles. Well, it sounds like you had a really good hunt, Amelia. Do you think you'll go hunt with your mom and dad again sometime soon? Yeah. That's exciting. Do you think you'll hunt for squirrel again or are you going to try something different? Um, I think I'm going to stick to squirrel for now until I learn to shoot a little bit more. That's cool. It sounds like you've got a really good start and you're going to keep practicing. Yeah. So since you're the professional, what advice do you have for other kids that are going hunting for the first time? Definitely do not wear bright colors. It's like brown, dark green be really quiet, be prepared to shoot. And you have to really pay attention to your surroundings and you need to find the perfect time to shoot. Yeah, that, that was a, a big thing because we were calling the squirrel. He was like actively running around in the trees. And so, you know, after um, I, I held the gun at first and handed it to Amelia when he got close. Yeah, he was sitting there on a branch. But first he was moving around a lot, you know, he's a squirrel and it's like, well, you got to wait for him to stop, wait for him to stop. And he just like Sat kept, there. kept switching trees for a bit. But then 
we were patient and he picked the branch and he just stopped and gave us a, a good amount of time for Amelia to make a good shot on a him. Perfect shot. Perfect shot. Like right in the head. He was oh, yeah. nice and dead for us. And it was, it was amazing. Way to go, Amelia. I'm not very good about being patient. So I admire your patience and setting up a good shot like that. <laughs> and, and I want to brag and, and be a proud dad here for a moment. Like I've done a lot of hunting. I've probably shot, I don't know, 50 species of birds all over the Western United States. Like when she shot that squirrel, that was the most excited I have ever been. <laughs> like, like it's one thing to have success for yourself, but watching your kids succeed is just a whole nother level. It was fun. Awesome. Well, Amelia, that is super good advice. Thank you. And Chris and Susan both, I can imagine you're very, very proud of Amelia and that she's going to keep doing awesome things in the outdoors. Amelia, is there anything else you want to tell us about your hunt? It was really fun just getting to spend time with family and being able to shoot my first squirrel and be outdoors more. That's really cool. Well, I think other kids are going to hear this and they're going to be inspired by you. And I think they're going to think you're super, super cool and want to get out on a squirrel hunt themselves. So if they need any advice, I'm going to send them your way. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, congratulations again. And thank you for sharing your story with us. All right. Well, Chris and Susan, what about you? What advice do you have for parents interested in taking their kids out squirrel hunting for the first time? Man, I, I guess uh, my advice would be to be patient and build those skills slowly over time. You know, um, yeah, I don't think you'd want to just kind of jump straight into it, but, you know, with a little bit of gun safety and um, knowledge of where some squirrels are, because I don't think you'd want to start out your first hunt yourself on an area looking for squirrels with your kid, because, you know, covering a lot of ground, especially when it's hot this time of year, you know, you only have a couple hours in the morning where it's comfortable to be out there, but you don't want to go on a death march with a 10 year old and take them for a five mile hike. You know, we, we, uh, I very much, cherry pick the spot we went as a spot that I've had a lot of success at in the past. I would mention also, don't be afraid to ask for help. If you are a parent and you're not very confident in your own hunting abilities or don't know even where to get started or where to go, there's nothing wrong with reaching out to someone that you know, or even asking a landowner if you can get access to their private land and, the, you know, at least that way you don't have any competition necessarily. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, it's especially if there's a kid involved, most people will be more than happy to jump in and help. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And if you're listening, um, your local Wildlife and Parks office, Fish and Game, DNR will often either have some really great programs or resources that you can get involved with as a family or be able to direct you toward one of their partners that does. There's lots of great outdoor organizations out there that could potentially help you get started. So if you're not starting off with some of that lifelong knowledge that maybe Chris has and um, wanna get out there with your family and learn these skills together, don't hesitate to reach out. All right, we're gonna take it a little bit more gloomy this time. And I'm curious what you and Susan see as the biggest threat to getting youth and families outdoors. I, you know, you're not talking hunting in general. You're just saying outdoors. Outdoors in general. Well, I'm looking at a smartphone right now. 
and uh, I see a, a Roblox game on it. Um, I think things like that, electronics, wanting to be indoors and playing games, electronics, um, certainly doesn't help. I think it starts, you know, with you as well, the parents to set an example. And, you know, there have been times like, especially when our girls were younger, where we're like, you know, you need to get out of the house. We're going right now. And they would be like, oh, I don't want to go on a hike. And I made them go on a hike. Like, it doesn't have to be anything, <laughs> you know, super sophisticated or anything. Just find some way to get your kids outdoors because sometimes they won't do it themselves. And I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying not to show my age, I guess, but I'm to the point where I'm old enough now. I remember uh, going outside and playing until the streetlights came on. Like that's, that's what we did, but you know, we still have video games and stuff. Yeah. And I, I guess my answer would be similar. Um, just other activities competing for your free time, you know, um, you said something earlier about organized sports and, and I, I think, you know, there is certainly time for that. Like Susan said, most our kids, most of the time are enrolled in something gymnastics or swim lessons, but we intentionally limit that um, so that we do have this time to spend outdoors. But for me, like outdoors is a family thing. It always has been. I still do a lot of hunting with my dad, my brother, my uncle, every other family members. And so it's, it's, you know, outdoor time and family time are all rolled up as one and the same for me. Um, but it, I, there just are a lot of activities you can choose to put your kid in these days. Man, I sure appreciate those points. Uh, Susan, that point you made about leading by example, that's a big one. I mean, how many times, you know, I don't have kids yet, but how many times do I come home and just sit on my phone and then get annoyed that maybe my partner is watching TikToks? And it's like, well, I, I came home and sat on my phone too. <laughs> what example am I setting? Um, but that, that's, yeah, that's so important. And there is, there's so much competing for our time. I really admire the fact that your family has made the outdoors a priority um, and has really deeply ingrained that outdoor adventure lifestyle into your family values. So thanks for sharing that with us. And, uh, you know, the, the key there, cracking the code. All right. Well, Stefan family, any last thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners about squirrel hunting or just about life in general? No, I, I guess my biggest advice was just, uh, give it a try. You know, um, it really is a low bar for entry and, and success rate is high. And from there, you know, you build the skills for, for lots of other hunting opportunities. I just want to reiterate that, um, you know, if you're not into squirrel hunting, just get outside and do something because if there's one thing that COVID showed us, it's that time spent outdoors is really refreshing and it's good for our mental health. So even if it's just taking a walk, um, you know, touching your bare feet on the ground outside, looking at mushrooms, catching fireflies or lightning bugs. Yeah, just find a way to get out and connect with nature. Definitely. And I have to know, which is it, Amelia? Do you call them fireflies or lightning bugs? I call them both. You call them both? I, I grew up calling them lightning bugs, but I've heard fireflies too. I think in this part of the world, it's actually lightning bugs. More That's common. what we call it. <laughs> Yeah, there's, somebody made a map about that. You can look it up. Yeah, it's, I've seen that map. That's a cool one. 
All right. Well, Stephens, thank you so much for joining us today to teach us all about squirrel hunting. And Amelia, congratulations again. Thank you for coming on to share your story. Uh, Chris, Susan, thanks also for the important work you do, both with KDWP and in your personal lives to support fish and wildlife management and conservation. And obviously for bestowing that same love and appreciation onto the next generation of outdoor adventurers and conservationists like Miss Amelia. Thanks for having us on. It's been fun. Okay, listeners, well, squirrel season in Kansas runs from June 1st through February 28th, 2023. So get your friends and your family out to explore all the small game hunting has to offer. Take in the scenery like Amelia did with that beautiful yellow orange sky. Enjoy nature and get some exercise. Plus, you can hone some important skills before you get into the heat of hunting season this fall. Speaking of getting outdoors, a special thanks are due to all of those who purchased a She Goes Outdoors backpacking box. The next box in our series will be shooting range focused, so don't miss that and get yours at sgooutdoors.com. Don't forget to share your outdoor adventures with us on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast and let us know what you would like to learn or hear discussed in a future episode. As always, thanks so much for tuning in for the Kansas Squirrel Hunting Takeover. We'll see you outdoors. Outdoors.